I'd like to read to you part of uh, what is optional for today's Epiphany Liturgy, which is an announcement of the important dates for this year. Know, dear brethren, that as we have rejoiced at the nativity of our Lord Jesus Christ, so by leave of God's mercy, we announce to you also the joy of his resurrection, who is our Savior. On the 14th day of February will fall Ash Wednesday, in the beginning of the fast of the most sacred Lenten season. On the 31st day of March, you will celebrate the joy, with joy Easter Day, the Paschal Feast of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the announcement includes those feasts, such as the Ascension and Corpus Christi and Pentecost, that are themselves based on the date of Easter, which is different every year. And the announcement also includes the beginning of Advent, which will be our preparation for the next Christmas. And I think this is important. The church has given us a liturgical calendar, and that God has given us through the church a liturgical calendar by which we can make time sacred. Pope Benedict XVI, in one of his books, reflect on the nature of time. And he wrote, Time is, first of all, a cosmic reality. Man lives with the stars. The course of the sun and the moon leaves his mark on his life. So we see actually in, in Genesis, uh, remarks how important are those two great lights in the sky, the sun and the moon, that God has given, the, given these to us to mark the seasons, the days, and the years. And, and it's still true. It's a cosmic reality, right? So um, our year is what the earth going around the sun one time, and uh, because of the relative distance of the earth to the sun, we have seasons, and then people also, too, observing the night sky, they see how uh, the light reflecting uh, from the sun off the moon that we can see, how that encompasses different, you know, different shapes, and there's a cycle of about 30 days. And so we have months, and we have months that divide up the year. But I want to begin talking about something even more basic, which is a weekly rhythm, which we also get from Genesis, that we have seven days of the week. And during the French Revolution, uh, they didn't like that. They were, um, they were atheists, and so they said, no, we should have 10-day weeks. But it didn't catch on. <laughs> it didn't catch on at all. Right? There was something, something kind of deeply rooted in this idea of seven. Now, the first day of the week is Sunday. And the seventh day is Saturday. In Hebrew, the Sabbath. That means the seventh day. That was the day that God rested. But... We don't worship primarily God on Saturdays anymore. We worship God on Sundays. Because what happened? Jesus rose on a Sunday. Okay? So we can see Sunday you know, is the first day of the next week. Uh, but really it's something more. It's not just uh, uh, repeating of what's gone before. Uh, Sunday is the beginning of something truly new. And so the church would often call Sunday the eighth day. Uh, the day that opens us up to eternity. And the number eight has significance. Even around our altar here is an octagon. And so, of course, this is the anchor. Sunday is the little Easter that we are obliged to celebrate every week by worshiping God in the Mass. And there's another rhythm, which is weekly, which is also related to the Paschal mystery of Jesus, which is Fridays. Fridays, we're supposed to observe some act of penance, some kind of fasting. Many of you don't do this, and you need to start doing this, right? 
Because Jesus said that when the bridegroom is taken away, then his disciples will fast. So there's this weekly rhythm. Then there's the yearly rhythm, which is marked by two great feasts. And the first, in terms of importance, but also its, uh, its antiquity, is the Feast of Easter. As you know, Easter is a different uh, calendar day every year. How is the date determined? Well, it's the Sunday after the first full moon after the spring equinox. Okay? And that is connected to the Jewish feast of Passover, right? Because the first Easter is connected to the Jewish feast of Passover. Um, and then you have, so the Easter is the this, is, is this central date, and then prior to Easter we get ready for it, right? By the season of Lent, which includes 40 days of fasting, modeled after the 40 days that Jesus spent in the desert. And then there's 50 days after Easter, in which we celebrate Easter until Pentecost. And that's just because originally the first Pentecost happened 50 days after Easter. Okay. So the other uh, important uh, anchor for the church's liturgical calendar for the year is the Feast of Christmas, which we've just celebrated. And how did we get December 25th? Well, some um, atheists say, well, the Christians, they took a a Roman pagan holiday, and then they, they chose that as their day, which actually there's really no historical evidence for that at all. There, there was a Roman holiday called Sol Invictus, which was the idea, uh, it was on the um, winter solstice, right? So winter solstice is the shortest day of the year. And then after that, every day is a little longer. So the unconquerable sun, right? Uh, but actually Sol Invictus was instituted after Christmas was already being celebrated by Christians. So, and I don't know if they were trying to copy us or what was going on with that. No one really knows. Uh, but there was an ancient belief, um, we have a written evidence as early as uh, 204 AD, that December 25th was known to be the birthday of Jesus. Uh, some have speculated that uh, it would, there was an ancient belief that prophets would die on the day that they were conceived, and it was believe that Jesus was conceived around the spring equinox of March 25th, which we celebrate the Annunciation, and to add nine months to that, and you get December 25th. But even so, I think it's helpful, how, whatever the exact reasons why we do celebrate Christmas on December 25th, um, I think the idea of the winter solstice is very helpful to understand the mystery of Christ, right? The idea that from now on, the light increases, I know, I know for me at least, I do not like this, the depth of winter. I really miss more sunlight. But now I'm hopeful because every day I'm going to get a little, you and I are going to get a little more sunlight than we did the day before. Okay? Uh, and this idea of the sunrise and the sun as a symbol of Christ is deep in our liturgy. So earlier churches were built facing the east because it was believed that when Christ returns in glory, he will come like the rising sun on the eastern horizon towards us. And even when churches began to be built later in different orientations, priests and people together would face the crucifix, which was the liturgical east, and this was called ad orientum worship, which means towards the east. So it was really wrong to say that the priests used to turn their back on the people. No, priests and people faced together the East anticipating the coming, in, uh, the coming in glory of Christ Jesus. Now, so we have the two, those two major feasts. Christmas also, by the way, has a season of preparation of Advent, 
and a season of extended celebration, uh, which will end tomorrow with the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord. Uh, and then throughout the year, okay, there are certain celebrations of the Lord that occur on the same calendar day, like the presentation of the Lord on February 2nd, or the transfiguration of the Lord. And then our calendar also includes the celebration of many saints. Chief among the saints is the Blessed Virgin Mary. So she has quite a few days on the church's calendar, right? Um, we have uh, Immaculate Conception, Mary is Mother of God, uh, Assumption, many days, right? And then there are other saints also whose days we commemorate, and those are usually determined by the day they died. So we, we acknowledge their birthday into heaven when we remember them, although there are exceptions, and sometimes other days are chosen to remember a saint. And then near the end of our liturgical year, we begin to look forward to, uh, to the, the last things, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. And we have those feasts of all saints and all souls. Now, when I say we celebrate something in the church, we celebrate certain things more than we celebrate other things, and there's a ranking. So certain days are considered solemnities, and solemnity is the highest rank. And some of the solemnities, you are obliged to attend Mass. And it can be confusing sometimes because the bishops have the power to dispense you from your obligation. So, for example, in the Universal Church, January 1st was a day of obligation, but our bishops here in the U.S. have dispensed you from that, so you didn't commit sin by missing that if you didn't go to Mass, right? So it's very complicated, but, um, but, it's, it, but each, each place, you know, kind of uh, has those applications. But, so solemnity is the highest rank. The next rank is feasts, okay? And then the lowest rank is memorials, and some of those are obligatory and some of those are optional. And one of the ways you can tell the difference is certain prayers are said only at solemnities. The creed, for example. Uh, at feasts, the glory is said, and those aren't said at memorials. And ideally, if it's a higher ranking feast, there's music and incense and things like that that indicate a greater, um, a greater solemnity in celebrating that feast. So there's a universal calendar of the church, and as I mentioned, bishops can, can modify that somewhat for their own places. Uh, and then there's also those specific feasts that relate to, to local churches. So in San Diego, we have two patrons, uh, San Diego de Alcala and Our Lady of Refuge, and those are celebrated as feasts in our diocese. And then this parish has two solemnities that are only celebrated here. Uh, not only here, but, but um, there's, a, there's another parish in San Diego that does. So Our Lady of Mount Carmel, July 16th, is our patronal feast. So for us, it's a solemnity. And then we have the anniversary of the dedication of our church, which is October 17th. So I'm, I'm giving you all these dates now. Now, you don't have to remember these because you can find all the dates online, or um, many of you took calendars with you, right? We have those beautiful liturgical calendars which have all these important days of the liturgical year. And so let me encourage you to input th that information into the calendar that you use every day. So I think most of you use a calendar on your phones, a calendar app, right? You should have, by the end of this week, all the important days all, especially the days of obligation, but also additional days. Maybe there's some saints that you've had a particular devotion to 
And you want to remember when it's their day that we're, that we're celebrating them. You should probably also add the anniversary of your own baptism. How many of you know that? You should commemorate that day. Very important. And maybe you're named after a saint and your patronal saint day. And you can celebrate these days, well, first by going to Mass. That would be the best way to celebrate. Some have feasts and traditions that are associated with them. So, for example, on February 2nd, when we celebrate the presentation of the Lord, we will bless candles. We will invite you to bring candles to be blessed for use in your homes throughout the years. There's beautiful, rich traditions of celebrating the saints. I encourage you, we have a link on our website, but catholicculture.org has an idea for all of these days, including foods to make. It's so important. I remember as a law student, I lived in kind of a Catholic community, and we had a chaplain, and uh, we had meals in common. And you knew it was a day, either a rank of feast or solemnity, when we had wine at dinner, you know? And because I think the problem is, we, sometimes we just celebrate every day like it's a great feast day, right? And we don't do things to mark the special days. But simple things like that, right? I know that in, many of you are from countries that are almost entirely Catholic, where the sacred calendar has permeated the secular calendar, right? So where there's actually days off of work when it's an important day in the church. And I think that's great. And we see it less now, of course. You know, my uh, mom tells me, you know, she grew up as a Catholic in Iraq. Well, that's a Muslim nation. They didn't give you Sundays off. You had to go to work on Sundays. So you would get up really early to go to Mass, to worship the Lord. And I think that's a great example for all of us who sometimes make excuses and are lazy about giving God his due worship. I want to share with you also recently, um, hopefully I'll be able to share with you in full soon. Our building's almost complete. You know, it's called the Discipleship Center. Some of the donors were invited to help choose names for the rooms. And they were given different options. They could name the rooms after saints. They could name the rooms after biblical uh, images or metaphors. Or after liturgical feasts. And guess what they chose? Liturgical feasts. It was a very interesting process of discernment. So I'm hoping to send you all, hopefully you're on our email list, a communication this week announcing when we will be blessing the new building and some of the information about it. The Magi remind us that our lives are a journey. Like theirs, a journey to God, uh, but unlike theirs, because we've already received the Lord, a journey with God. And by living the liturgical calendar, we enter God's time. God who has sanctified time so as to make us saints.